Hi, I'm financial journalist Caroline Stephen. Welcome to this week's episode of Talking Trading. John Richardson is the founder of Consistent Options Income. Disillusioned with the average person's means to invest, John struck out on his own and devised an option strategy which brings home consistent returns. John uses auction market theory to find inflection points when the market has to make a decision on which way it will run. He then uses the flexibility of an options trade to apply a continual adjustment process. We talked to John today about his methodology and why he loves being a good steward of his money. John Richardson, founder of Consistent Options Income. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Great, Caroline. Thanks for having me. John, how has the investment industrial complex failed the average investor? Sure. I I use that term every once in a while. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's a a play on the military-industrial complex uh, that we were warned about in the early 60s. And uh, I think what it had to do with was these sort of perverse incentives between the sort of military generals and whatnot and the industries that were supplying them. And uh, there was this sort of conflict and incentives, you know, to destroy the toys and get bigger and better ones. And so in the investment industrial complex, what I see is a lot of um, sort of perverse incentives that don't really necessarily help out the individual investor. You know, I, I, I remember when I was much younger, I, might, I had some disposable income and my dad told me that I should be investing in mutual funds. And so I walked over to the Fidelity office and I was expecting some gentleman with, you know, graying sideburns and a nice expensive suit and a Rolex and, you know, he was going to show me the rope, turn my money into a fortune. And instead, I was greeted by a, a young man who was younger than I was, and I was pretty young at the time. He proceeded to show me a three-ring binder with a bunch of laminated pages and what can only be described as sort of a sales presentation. And so the, 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 the difference between what I was expecting and the reality was so different that I, I was really uncomfortable with the whole thing. Uh, I ended up you know, depositing my money, but over the years, I struck out on my own and tried to figure out how things work myself. And so I think in general, you know, people are kind of underserved by, you know, the investment community. And so I think that's kind of what drives me to try and show people there's there is a way if you're willing to sort of actively manage your money to do a little bit better. Why do investors and traders lose money in the financial markets? Sure, I think mostly it has to do with um people trying to swing for the fences. In other words, they want to hit a home run. They want to, they want to make a fortune and they want to do it quickly. And I think that the landscape of investment vehicles doesn't really lend itself to that. Uh, most of those sort of bets are, are sort of losing bets. And um, the real way to make money is to, to do it slowly and methodically uh, over time. And uh, most people's mindset when it comes to trading or investing isn't really set that way. It's kind of like if you walked into a casino and there was one machine where you, if you put a dollar in, you could potentially win a million, and right next to it there was a machine where if you, for every $10 you put in, you can make $11. It's just not as interesting um, to most people, and it's not what attracts you know, people's investment style. So I think that's generally why people lose money is they, they get attracted to putting their money on the wrong things and making predictions. Why is predicting future outcomes a losing game? 
First of all, I mean, um, you know, it's kind of hard to predict the future because it's not known. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people think that they have a, you know, some way to divine the future. And, uh, they, you know, a lot of people take great pleasure in trying to uh, forecast the future and see what happens. Uh, but really, the longer I do this, the more I understand that no one really knows anything. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's really hard for people to uh, try to come to grips with the fact that, you know, no, more, no matter how long you've been doing this or how much of an expert you are, that you really don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so you have to end up with a trading style or investing uh, method that sort of assumes you don't know what's going to happen and it's flexible enough to still, uh, to still make a profit, you know, as the market develops. What's the proper framework to see profits? I think my, my personal opinion has changed on this quite a bit. Uh, around the late 90s, I was pretty much doing mechanical type trading systems for most, from the late 80s to the late 90s. And um, it was a really difficult way to trade. I think I ended up developing some pretty good systems, but with mechanical systems, you always, they always come with these big drawdowns, and they're just very inhumane and they're very difficult to live through. And so it was really kind of that angst at the end of the 90s where I kind of changed my view of the markets. And I kind of see the markets as more uh, trying to uh, manage an individual instead of a mathematical problem. And so I think the, the proper way to see the markets is, first of all, to, to, to ha- start with something that's adjustable. If your listeners wanted to, they could Google uh, the Monty Hall problem, which is kind of a mathematical and statistical type geek problem and really the ultimate takeaway is that you know when you make a prediction your initial prediction is probably wrong the the probabilities are almost certain that you're wrong so what you want to do is have a style that allows you to sort of change your predictions if you can you can change your mind about what you think is going to happen you stand a much better chance of making money so in the 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 trading style that I teach we start with a trade that's adjustable, and we use options to do that because they're so flexible. Then the next step is to have some fairly modest expectation, right? We we don't want to um, try to capture all of the possible available profit. We want to have a large potential profit available and then set, set our sights on a very small portion of that profit. That's just much easier to achieve, and it keeps us more consistent, and it increases the probabilities of making a profit on each trade. And then as the market evolves, we want to have a proper understanding of the market so that uh, we get engaged in the markets and adjust our trade at the proper times. There's really two sort of views of the market, I think. There's the random type group where they think the markets are extremely efficient. And so, um, but if the markets were perfectly efficient, um, everything would fall nice and neatly in a bell curve. But it, uh, one of the truisms about the market is that there are these statistically aberrant things that happen all the time, so you can't say that the markets are perfectly random. On the other side of the fence, you've got the people who say that the market's very inefficient and predictable. These are the people who are using some sort of technical indicators or whatnot. But that also doesn't work very well either. So you have to come up with a method that kind of comes to grips with these realities that the market is very difficult to deal with. And so what we do is we, we use auction market theory and 
we find times in the market where it's not behaving in a random way. If you're engaged in the market when it's behaving in a random way, it's kind of hard to make money. So we identify, uh, by identifying the auctions in the market, we find these inflection points, these price levels, where we think the market has to make a decision. We don't really know what decision the market's going to make, but those are the ideal times to be adjusting our trade and becoming engaged in the market. When it's just behaving randomly, we kind of want to stay out of that because it's going to be hard for us to make money. I understand. So let's talk about the auction process. How can investors better understand it? I think the markets in actuality are auctions of some kind. It's it's kind of complicated because people are buying stuff and selling stuff at the same time. So it's kind of like a buying auction and a selling auction going on at the same time. However, when the, let's say the market's going up and all of a sudden uh, it sort of turns down and starts going down, most people look at that and think, oh, you know, the uh, sellers have really come in strong and started selling the market. But if we think to like a real auction at like Christie's or Sotheby's, what happens is you get a sort of frenzy in the auction where everybody's bidding and then it, very, it slows down. And what we do is we run out of buyers and that's when the sort of auction ends. Yes. And so when the markets are bid up like that and they're going up and they hit a, a top, what ha- what's really happening is you're running out of buyers. And so we want to identi- identify those situations because those become the price levels where the market thinks they have to make a decision And so I think the auction process kind of analyzes this in the proper way. Stay tuned to hear more of John Richardson after the break. Successful traders know that bouncing back from a setback is essential. Michael Lissenblatt's new book, Pressure Proof, tells you just how to do that. To perform better under pressure and handle change and setbacks in your stride, grab a copy from bouncebackfast.com. Build your natural resilience and turn pressure into energy and enthusiasm. That's bouncebackfast.com. And now back to consistent options expert, John Richardson. Let's talk about the continual adjustment process to react to changes in the market. How does it work? So the idea is that we, we start with an options trade that's adjustable. And this goes back to, you know, being able to change our prediction is going to help give us a higher probability of success. And so we want something that's adjustable. You know, if we just buy a stock or, or a futures contract or something, it's not, it's not a very adjustable trade. And there's lots of options trades that people do as well that aren't very adjustable. You have a lot of flexibility. They're very flexible trading instruments you know, when you come to these adjustment points, you have a lot of alternatives. And so um, we want to start with something that's adjustable. And then as the market moves and it hits these inflection points in the market, we want to make adjustments to the trade. When those opportunities come, we want to be able to change the sort of structure of our trade without, you know, giving up too much, uh, without it costing us too much. Can I be the devil's advocate for just a second and Mm -hmm. ask the question, options can be so volatile. Are you at all gun-shy of the amount of losses that a trader can incur? Sure. Well, options are pretty flexible. So there are certainly ways to use options, for example, buying options, where it can be very risky because it comes with a lot of leverage. But you pay a premium when you buy options, it's very hard to overcome. So we're primarily option sellers. So we're, it's kind of like we're the insurance company selling insurance policies. And we're, not, we're not buying them. 
Now, we do buy some options, but they're mostly to protect our credit so we have a fixed risk in our trade. We don't want to have unlimited risk, which you can have sometimes when you sell uh, options. So there's certainly ways to trade options that are risky because there's a lot of leverage built in, but there's also ways to engineer trades where they're relatively safe and have a fixed risk, a fixed, fixed margin situation. And so when we come to these inflection points, now we have a lot of alternatives. We have things that we can do, and we have a large potential profit available to us, and we can set our sights on maybe just taking – our goal is to get basically 5% out of our trade and then close it. So that's, that's much easier to achieve. 5%? That's not particularly high, is it? No, and it takes – I think it takes traders a while to appreciate it. Um, I was at the Traders Expo in um, – Las Vegas in 2008 when the you know financial crisis was going on and there was a lot of vendors there who who were teaching option strategies or whatnot and they were promising you know thousand percent returns you know because <laughs> that's possible with an option you know if you buy a really cheap option you know and I had you know I, I had this booth and I was promising five percent returns and so people said why why only five percent so but it you know it takes a while. For people to realize that hey, five percent is pretty good. You know, if I get five percent per month, I'm doing sixty percent a year. So it's not, uh, it's nothing to sneeze at. Do you sleep and dream about options? <laughs> On and off, I, w- I would say that uh, it's certainly a passion of mine. It's 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 more of a, a tool than anything else. I I like being a good steward of my finances and and helping others. You know, at least. Stop losing money, right? A lot of people who come to me are just tired of losing money. And so I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. What do you love about trading per se? Um, well, I think I, I'm kind of uh, compulsive about numbers. And, and Like, for example, when I was younger, my parents or my sister would bring out a jigsaw puzzle. And I was, I was kind of, it was kind of a love-hate relationship because uh, they'd bring it out, and let's say early evening, and I I wouldn't go to sleep until I f- finished it. <laughs> and so early on, I mean, this was, uh, you know, I had my dad had wanted me to put all my money in mutual funds, and and um, this was a problem. Like I had to solve it, right? Because at some point in my life, I have to turn my income or my wealth, whatever my wealth ends up being, I have to turn it into an income, right? Everybody has that challenge, and so I it was it was like this this problem that I had to solve. I had to find a a way to solve it, and so it was. It was kind of more of a mission uh, than anything else. So, if you were talking to novice traders or people just new to the markets, what key qualities would you say to them that are necessary to cultivate or have in order to be profitable? Sure, I, I think first of all, it, it, it takes the, the right mindset. You know, there's a lot of like, you know, people out there who are mentors and things like that, and I really don't think trading takes that kind of. You know, it's it's not like a skill, a hard to learn skill, right? This is pretty pragmatic stuff, and it's it's not rocket science if you if you, if you you have the right mindset. But then you have to be willing to put in some time uh, and manage your money yourself. And I think a lot of times people outsource, you know, uh, the responsibility for managing their money to you know investment companies and whatnot. But they usually end up regretting it at some point. So I would say that. You know, it does take some effort, but I think it's, uh, it, it's, it pays off really big. And has it paid off really big for you, John? Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, very happy with where I am. I feel very confident now about, 
you know, investing in the markets. I have a lot of different things I can do, and I have sort of the right mindset about it. So I don't really, I don't really panic. There's been a lot of times where, you know, over the years where the markets have been really kind of in trouble and people were panicking, and I, I was confident in my my methodology, so I could just plot along. You know, and sometimes I'd take losses, sometimes I'd 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 win, but um, over time I was very confident in my uh, approach. So um, I think there's a lot of satisfaction in that. You know, it, it's just there's a lot of satisfaction that comes from doing something and having it be productive. John, we're going to have to wrap it up. Is there anything you'd like to offer our listeners? My, I have a website. It's consistentoptionsincome.com. And if they go to consistentoptionsincome.com forward slash talking trading, um, there's a free training video there. And there's also a way to sign up to get the first five videos in my course so they can learn a lot more about the methodology that I use and possibly be on the way to, to making some money themselves. John, it was a real pleasure to speak with you all the way from San Diego. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Caroline. And uh, keep up the great work with the podcast. That's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned for the energetic life coach, Rick Schnabel, next week on the qualities and the mindset to attract wealth. I'm Caroline Stephen, and on behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary, and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free Hot or Not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.